Good morning, Resurrection. If you would go to God in prayer with me. Most holy and loving God, we ask that you open our eyes this morning that we might see. Let us hear your still small voice within us and how you move us and transform us. May the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you. Amen. My brothers and sisters, I have some incredibly good news for you this morning. But I also have a little bit of bad news. I'm going to deliver the good news first so it'll put you in a really good mood. Get you all motivated and then I'll let you in on the bad news, okay? The good news is I am going to get right down to the point of today's sermon because the scripture of John can often be very complex with many deep and layered meanings. I don't want you to get lost in the details. And so I'm going to give you the point of today's sermon right off the bat. And it is that because we have encountered the love of God through Jesus Christ and have become believers through that encounter, we have received salvation. Or to use a Christian colloquialism, we are saved. Hallelujah, amen, that's it. Now for the bad news. The bad news is that you probably think, since I've already let you in on the point of the sermon, that we'll just go ahead and we'll go on with service and y'all will get out of here 15 or 20 minutes early. However, that's not going to happen. And I'll tell you why. Because I believe that it is important to understand the how and the why of our salvation. Because too often we are told that we are saved, but we don't really understand why. And John does a very good job of letting us in on this. And so, I am going to start by recapping the story of today's scripture reading. We shortened it up just a little bit for you because it was a whole of chapter 9 that was today's reading. If we would have read it, you would have been here for 20 minutes listening to the scripture reading instead of me talking about it. And so I'm just going to do a real quick recap with you. First of all, Jesus is walking down the road and he comes across a man who is blind from birth. His disciples are with him and they ask him, what we may see as a rather short-sighted question. They say, is he blind because of his sin or because his parents sinned? Now for us, we may think that's kind of a strange question, but in the time and place and in their culture, that was a very relevant question. Because when somebody was born that was not born fully whole physically, it was often thought it was because their parents had sinned. Okay? Now Jesus tells them something which in itself is very odd in a whole nother sermon. What he says is no, he is blind so that the work of God could be manifest through him. And then he goes on to say that he is the light of the world and that he is in the world doing the work of God. Okay. Then, next... He spits in the dirt. Think about it. <laughs> Rubs it together. Makes a nice little paste. Sticks it in this guy's eyes. 
And then he sends them to the pool of Siloam. Now, Siloam means he who was sent. You know, you have a great storyteller when even the name of something has relevance to the story. Well, for those of you that have heard me preach, you all know that I like to do the same thing. And I hate for there to be a main character in the story who is anonymous. And so I searched Google for a name for this blind man that meant sight or to see. The only one that I could find was Ikshana, which was a Hindu name for sight. And so before the man sees and he gets the mud in his eyes, they just called him Ik. But then after he received the, the, the gift of sight, they called him Sean. So we'll just call him Sean. So from now on, the blind man, his name is Sean. It's my story and I'm sticking to it. From here on, the story is this huge production. All these religious people arguing back and forth and back and forth. You know religious people like to argue, don't you? Isn't that still true today? We love a good argument. And as always, there are those who are arguing that Jesus did not follow the rules. He healed this man on the Sabbath. That's against the rules. You can't do that. You are a sinner. Well, then the other ones were saying, wait a minute, not so fast. Have you ever seen anyone who was healed that had blindness from birth? Have you ever seen them get the gift of sight? The only one that can do that is God. And so this man has to be from God. So they go back and forth. They call the parents, ask him, ask the parents, is, is this really your son? Is, was he blind? And they say, yeah. So they just investigate further and further, and they finally decide to ask Sean, well, what do you think? How did you get the gift of sight? Well, he's a pretty cool guy. I like him because the first thing he does is he shows them how ignorant they are. He basically says, y'all are a bunch of idiots. You saw it. You, you, you heard the story. You understand. How many times do I have to tell you? And so they kind of got mad at him. They threw him out of the temple. So Jesus finds Sean and asks him if he believes in the Son of Man. Now, I'm going to stop here for just a second. Because how often do we hear that term, the Son of Man? and not really understand what it means. It has a particular meaning to say that Jesus is the Son of Man. It helps to understand what that meaning is. And in the Jewish construct, the Son of Man referred to a future figure whose coming would mark the beginning of God's final judgment. And so he asked Sean, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now Sean he has never physically seen Jesus, right? Because he still had no sight when Jesus put that mud on his eyes and sent him away. And he answers, show me this man that I might see him and believe him. And Jesus, what does he answer? You have already seen him. You haven't seen him, but you have seen him. Right? He saw that. And when Jesus revealed himself in that manner, Sean said, I believe. 
Yes, I believe. Not only was he given this gift of spiritual sight, now Jesus has, or physical sight, now Jesus has given him spiritual sight. Then Jesus makes a statement that I have wrestled with all week long. Jesus said, and I quote, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do see may become blind. And before I tell you why I had such a hard time with this quote, why it made me so crazy, let me tell you the end of the story. Okay, the same religious knuckleheads that said Sean was um, a smart aleck and kicked him out of the temple, they come to Jesus and they say, we know you're not talking about us being blind, right? You can't possibly be talking about us. And so Jesus says to them, if you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. Okay, now I'll go back to the original quote that had me running in circles all week. And John is real good at doing that because John kind of writes in circles. Let me repeat the statement. I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do see may become blind. Let me tell you why I struggle with this. It was the part that said those who do see may become blind. Even though some of the commentaries I read said what Jesus meant to say, what he was really saying was those who think they see may become blind. But no matter which translation I read of the actual scripture reading, they all said the same thing. It didn't say those who think they see. It said those who see. Those who see may become blind. I had a really hard time with that. What does that really mean? Well, I was really fortunate because I finally found a commentary that helped clear it up for me, and it gave me an epiphany. And in this commentary, what they said was that you cannot possibly understand what this story means without understanding the concept of sin and salvation in the community in which John lived and taught and preached. Now, we don't know a whole lot about John, the man who actually wrote the fourth gospel, or maybe woman. We don't really know. Whoever it was, we do know that they lived and preached and taught in a particular faith community that had their own culture, their own set of beliefs, and their own understanding about who the man Jesus was. Okay? And so you have to understand that context to truly understand what John is writing about. In this community, sin was not a moral concept. It was a theological and a Christological concept. Now, I know those are some pretty big words, but simply put, it means that sin is not defined by what we do, but almost exclusively by our relationship to Jesus and more specifically, by whether we believe that God is revealed in Jesus. Wow. After reading that, the light really went on, and I could see just like Sean. 
So sin is not about following rules or not following rules the way that I learned when I was growing up. Sin is fundamentally about one's relationship with God. And for the community of John, the decisive measure of one's relationship with God is one's faith in Jesus. Sight and blindness, then, are defined by one's openness to the revelation of God in Jesus. Does that make sense? Stick with me. In this perspective, then, the only way to be excluded from the salvation that Jesus offers us, uh, offers us is when we turn our backs on that offer. This is really liberating when you think about it. I have salvation because I believe, not because I follow a bunch of rules that somebody tells me I have to follow. This is really important. We are all born blind, spiritually. We are ignorant about God's love for us and the nature of God's love that's manifest in Jesus Christ. But when we see the presence of God's love in Jesus, then we have a decision to make. We can accept it like Sean did, or we can reject it like the Pharisees. This is the most radical example of salvation by grace in the New Testament. I find all of this very liberating because I've gained a new understanding of sin and salvation. Not one that is tied to the death of Jesus. The Jesus who died on the cross because I did something wrong. I've always had a tough time with that one. But now I understand sin and salvation as the Jesus who lived. And because he lived and because I saw God in manifest in Jesus, now I am saved. Because it is based not on sin or something I did wrong, but on the invitation to be in relationship with a God who loves me beyond my wildest imagination. And loves all of you beyond your wildest imagination. That is the God that Jesus points to. That is the invitation that we have to accept. All we have to do is say yes. After wrapping my mind all around this, I had what we used to call in the Navy a BFO. Now, I shared with you all that I was a sailor, and sometimes I will slip in my language, and I bet you're thinking BFO means something really bad, aren't you? <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> BFO is a blinding flash of the obvious. A blinding flash of the obvious is when you see something you never saw before, but it was so obvious you should have seen it all along. My blinding flash of the obvious came when I started thinking about my first true encounter with the Jesus who manifests God. When did that come? It didn't come in all those years in Catholic school. It didn't come when I was having catechism shoved down my throat on a Saturday when I would have rather been out playing. It didn't come through all those sermons where I was told over and over again that Jesus died for my sins and because of that I am saved. It didn't come through any of that. It came when I first went into a true faith community. 
New Life MCC in Norfolk, Virginia. It came when the people that I saw on a weekly basis in church truly embodied the Christ who lived and loved and, and just showed, emanated God everywhere. That is when I first encountered Jesus and accepted the invitation because of a community that loved and cared for one another. A community that embraced all people because they were children of God. A community that not only talked the talk, but walked the walk. A community just like Resurrection MCC. Just like this one. You know, I went through a 34-week course. That's amazing in itself that I could sit in one seat for 34 weeks and study the Bible. But... It was a combination of Bible study and a class about coming disciples of Jesus Christ. After studying for a few weeks, we had this exercise that we had to do, this little activity that really changed me. We had to look at each other individually in the eye, and we had to say, I see Christ in you when? XXX. I see Christ in you when you greet people at the door with such joy. I see Christ in you when you sing and you give all your heart and soul into worship. I see Christ in you when you pray with somebody who is really sick. That really changed me. And so, as I come into this community, I have to say that I have seen Christ here. Joy, I see Christ in you when you stand in front of a crowd of people and pray. And you couldn't do that a year ago. Joe, I see Christ in you when you sing and you give all of your heart in your worship. Jamie, I see Christ in you when you go over to the prayer wall and go deeply into prayer with people who need to feel comfort and strength. Cassandra, I see Christ in you in the way that you lead the choir and you give all of your heart every week in worship. God is present in this place. My brothers and sisters, we experience the presence of God in Christ through each other. In this faith community, we are invited to recognize the transformative power of the love of God made manifest in the incarnation of Jesus through all of you and to adjust our lives accordingly. And it does transform your life. It does change you. When you encounter Jesus and the people in this community and you accept the invitation to come in relationship into the faith community, in relationship with Jesus, in relationship with God, it will change your life. It will change your life. During the season of Lent, let us come into a new understanding of what it means to see the light. Like Sean, let us be transformed by what we experience. Let us not be like the Pharisees who, when given the invitation to be in relationship with Jesus and God, turned their backs. Jesus told them if they were blind, they would have no sin. But because they see, their sin remained. If they would not have experienced Christ, they would have no sin. However, 
they were witness to the revelation of God in Jesus. And they declined that invitation. And for that, they became blind. Now I understand what Jesus was saying when he said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. The judgment is all about the decision that we make. When we have encountered the love of God made manifest in Jesus Christ, we can choose to see, to accept the invitation, to be transformed, or we can remain blind to the love that God has for each and every one of us and continue to live our lives in darkness. My hope and prayer is that all of you will not only choose the light when you are given that decision, but that you will embody that light and that love in a world that so desperately needs to overcome the darkness. Amen. Thank you.